Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back to Unleashed Podcast. We're going to keep jumping right through the word and just going for it to get as much of his word in our hearts as we possibly can and in our minds as we possibly can. So uh, I know last week we kind of jumped into Galatians and I had this whole uh, cool story about my about my life and Galatians and how it kind of related to me and all that. And we just kind of barely started it. And I absolutely ironclad promise you that we are going to get back to Galatians. But in the meantime, I realized I kind of need to do Second Peter. And I, I you know, because we just got done doing First Peter. I'm like, I need to do Second Peter. I, I, I think I've just got to do it. Just I'll, I'll feel like incomplete, you know, if we just do First Peter and we don't do Second Peter. So I'm like, this is a good idea that we jump into Second Peter to kind of, uh, you know, finish it up so that I will feel like more complete and not like something is just weird in my life. So, so anyway, <laughs> I think also just so you know, if you've never studied second Peter, you're not alone. A, a lot of people don't study second Peter. And I, I, I have a few reasons why I think that is, but I really wanted to just tell you guys that, um, second Peter took forever to be canonized, meaning it took forever to be recognized as a legitimate book of the Bible, and it took forever, of course, to be recognized as even written by Peter. So uh, Second Peter has a really weird kind of history to it. So even in about 170 or so, we have a list of essentially all of the books that we now have in our current New Testament that was compiled and really looked at and quoted from uh, by the early church fathers. Like, so essentially every single book that we have now, really by 170 AD, was being quoted uh, by church fathers, was looked at and understood as canonical, as inspired, uh, with the exception of Second Peter. So <laughs> I think that that is, is a weird thing. In fact, Second Peter was not canonized or really officially even recognized as written by Peter or Holy Scripture or anything like that until after 200 AD. So it was really in like the third century that finally you actually find uh, church fathers, early church fathers, quoting from it. So there's been there had been such a dispute as to its authenticity that, uh, you know, it just wasn't really read in the early church and it wasn't wasn't understood. It wasn't widely circulated and it was in dispute. It was kind of in question. So there are some things in here that that kind of made even today some scholars look at it and go, I don't know if that's really Peter or I don't know if that's really legit, you know, like that kind of thing. But all that aside, we are going to believe that when it got canonized, that the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. There was lots of reason that we're going to believe that it's Peter. I, I just thought it would be interesting for everyone listening to know that Second Peter, the book of Second Peter, really did have kind of a tumultuous like history and and kind of like there's a lot of questions surrounding whether or not it was real, whether or not it was Peter, you know, and all kinds of things like that. So I just wanted to to give you that guys that kind of an intro. Okay, so as we get through this, you're gonna find something very, very interesting. 
And I'm going to start in 2 Peter 1, 1, and we're just going to go right through it, and, and you're going to see some really interesting things pop out. And I'm explain to you how they absolutely relate to right now. So let's just jump right into this. So Peter says, he starts off by saying, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, right away, just so everybody knows, that word there is doulos, which is literally a slave. But it's really more than that in this context. So if you didn't know, a bond servant is a servant who voluntarily chose to become a lifelong slave. Just so everybody knows, most slaves were temporarily a slave in the ancient Near East. They would only be a slave for a term of service. Like they would be a slave for five years, maybe to pay off a debt or to pay off a family member's debt or something like that. Um, now, not all slaves were volunteers, of course. There were some that were lifelong forced uh, through raids and wars and things like that. But there were another category of slaves that we call bond servants. And it's the same kind of word when Mary says, this is good for this time of year, because if you're listening to this when I'm doing it, it's close to Christmas. We're like, you know, a few weeks before Christmas or a couple weeks or, oh my gosh, like a couple weeks. Holy cow. Time is going way too fast. So <laughs> before Christmas and she, you know, Mary says after all this, the angel tells her you're going to give birth to God and it's going to be the savior of the world and, and all this pretty intense stuff. Like she looks and goes, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. And so everybody knows you would be uh, at the end of your term. So if your term was a temporary uh, slave term, like maybe you had five years, let's just say that was very common in the ancient Near East to have a five year uh, slave term or whatever. At the end of that term, if you just really, really loved your masters and you fell in love with the people who you were serving and you felt like they were family to you and you really wanted to stay voluntarily for the rest of your life because you so love them, you could do something which is to become a bond slave or a bond servant. And usually they would take like an earring and they would pierce your ear. And on that earring, there probably would be carved the symbol of the family whose house or the house of the family that you're serving. So that you would then be marked with that earring that would stay in your ear for the rest of your life. But it was a voluntary thing that you did as a bond servant and, or a bond slave. And that's what Peter's saying here. He's like, I have voluntarily made myself a slave to Jesus. And of course, an apostle of Jesus Christ, which that there's a lot of people talking about what are apostles right now and and am I an apostle and who's an apostle and I've been just yours truly here has been called an apostle on a few different occasions I don't know that that's true I, I don't know I've been called every one of the fivefold at some point publicly and by leadership and so I don't I don't know I get really confused about that and I have a teaching I'm doing on another podcast with my buddy Keith, where we kind of, we started to dive into that. We're going to dive a little deeper into that and maybe we can figure it out because I'm studying it and I'm still confused. Um, so I don't want to sit here and say, I've got all this fivefold stuff figured out because I don't, but, but we're giving it a shot. So <laughs> anyways, um, let's keep going. So second Peter one, one, the second part of it to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. And I love that. It's like, so I'm writing to those people right now who have the same faith that we do. And by the way, this is like total faith in Jesus for your salvation, your righteousness, and your identity. That everything about who you are is now not who you are. It's who he is. That's what faith does. 
He says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is like, if you've received a faith, again, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, I'm writing to people who understand that your faith is what actually results in the righteousness of Christ in you. And again, I don't know how many times the writers of the New Testament have to say this. And it's bizarre because almost nobody ever teaches it. Like they, they basically teach that your holiness is based on your behavior. And the Bible teaches that your holiness is based on his behavior. And your holiness isn't something you do. It's something you are. And it's something you are because of something he did. So this is what the Bible teaches over and over again, that through faith, you are made holy and given his holiness. So it's as if you did everything he did. That's what faith is all about. And that's what he says right here, by the righteousness of our God and Savior. And that's interesting too, (laughs) the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, directly calling Jesus God. I just want you to notice that. People are like, well, where does it say that Jesus is God? Well, here's one of them. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's the same. He's saying Jesus is the Savior and he's God. Verse 2, grace. Oh, oh, I love this. You guys got to hear this part. This part, I love this. And so I I really want to get this across as I read it. Grace of, uh, sorry, 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, what he's saying is he's, he's saying grace, meaning not just the unmerited favor of God, but also, also the operational power of God and peace. This is arene in Greek, which is like not just it's not just like um, like some internal peace, like you feel restful and peaceful, although that is part of what it means. But it's the kind of peace that you have with God relationally. So what he says is, and this is really interesting, because so he says the operational power of God and the unmerited favor of God and peace, meaning internal rest and internal oneness and, and a peace in your relationship with God um, be multiplied to you. Literally, uh, the Greek here is uh, have it continue to increase is what he's saying. And then he, he sets this up by a way of saying, I am going to tell you how to have grace and peace be increasing on you all the time. So how many of you guys would love to have grace and peace increasing in your heart and in your life all the time? My hand's up. I'm raising my hand. Like I would love to have grace and peace always increasing in my life. I would love to have the unmerited favor of God, the operational power of God, internal and external rest and wholeness and oneness with God. I want those things to continually be increasing, which is basically what Peter is saying, um, be multiplied to you. And here's how he says you do it. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the deal. Here's what he's saying. If you didn't pick it up in two verses, actually in one stinking verse, he goes, look, If you want grace increase, meaning if you want the operational power of God and you want the unmerited favor of God and you want peace, which is that internal rest and oneness and and a oneness and and intimacy with with God. If you want that to increase and increase and increase, one of the ways that happens is in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's what I want you to understand. Anything that you believe about God, like you think you know it, right? Because he says, 
he says grace and peace will be increasing or multiplied uh, in accordance with your knowledge of God. Well, if you have wrong knowledge of God, the grace and peace will decrease or certainly not increase. Here's the deal. Most people's anxiety, most people's internal and external turmoil as a believer in particular, but really for everyone, is related directly to their misconception, misunderstanding, or false or completely absent knowledge of who Jesus and God, who who. Who Jesus really is. I mean, essentially, that's what this is. It's like the more you know him, the more grace and peace increase in you. And I want you guys just to hear that. The more you know him, the more grace and peace increase in you. So I'm not saying that every single time you struggle with anything, that it's directly going to be related to how, how well you know God or, or if you know God. I don't, I don't want to say that because that's too extreme. There's, there's other um, you know, reasons why why you're you would have a struggle you know with anxiety or you'd have a struggle uh with you know with with depression or fear there there's chemical reasons there's things going on in your life there's demonic attacks so i understand that like a lot of other reasons could be at play here but what he's saying is that it will continue to multiply and increase as your knowledge of god and jesus are increasing and that's why it is so dang important that what you are letting into your mind and heart is actually the gospel of God to whoever you're listening to, whatever preacher you're listening to, whatever so-called prophet or apostle or whoever is telling you this is how God is. As soon as you believe that, you are either going to enter into greater grace and peace or you're going to enter into greater bondage, just depending on whether what he's saying or she is correct, is actually increasing your knowledge, experience, and understanding of who God really is. And this is so dang important. And I want to just get this across to you guys because there's so much, especially around here where I live right now in North Carolina, that there is so much distortion of who Jesus is. And it's usually not the distortion of greasy grace. I haven't heard any of that here. I, I'm sure that it's here. I'm sure it's being taught that weird thing about like, just sin however you want, like sin more, like God doesn't care, like obedience doesn't matter. Like, like that, that kind of craziness is like, I'm sure it's here, but I haven't heard it here at all. What I've heard here exclusively is the other side of it is basically perform, 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 perform. So you have to preach the gospel. You better get out and evangelize. You better do this. You better do that. You better fast. You better pray. You better go to church. You better read your Bible. You better do this. Da, 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 da. And it's, it's, it's weird because it, now instead of being directly that, it's usually couched under if you do this, like somehow you're preparing yourself or you're getting more oil or whatever it is. And I, while I understand the concept of of oil, at least I think I do, is how most people are preaching it in terms of like, to me, oil uh, would be the way I've heard it spoken about and the way I think I understand it is that you're just getting more intimacy with God. Like you're building a deeper understanding and revelation of who he is and you're connecting to him more and more and more of you is coming alive as a result of an understanding of who Jesus is. I mean, that to me is oil, but sometimes I hear it preached in such a way that you basically have to perform all these religious exercises and perform all these spiritual disciplines in order to acquire this mysterious oil that somehow prepares you for the return of Christ. And I'm like, hold on, like that, that is getting a little weird. And right in there, it can't, I'm not saying it always is, because sometimes I've heard that teaching again, like I said, 
um, taught well, where it really is like the, the oil is the, just the increase of the intimacy between you and God and, and being active about that and really seeking to grow in him like that. That's all good. But it can get weird, and sometimes that weirdness is when you buy into that, you'll find yourself with anxiety, and you'll find yourself with like, man, am I doing enough? Do I have enough oil? Like almost like paranoia and fear and anxiety, and it's because you're believing something about God that isn't true. So Peter says right here that grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So he's saying if your knowledge and experience and understanding of who God is is more and more lining up with truth, it will release grace and peace over your life and over your heart. So what we think about, like Tozer said it like this, what we think about when we think, he put it like this, what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I want you to understand there's a, there's a powerful um, release of grace and peace. And, and I don't know how many times this has happened where I've sat down with somebody and I don't want to say it's just me. It happens all the time with lots of different people. When you're talking to someone and they've believed like religious nonsense for like their whole life or for a long time or whatever. And all of a sudden you just bring forth the truth and you're bringing forth the truth from the word. And it's like all of a sudden these things start breaking off them. It's like all of a sudden this bondage and this prison that they've been living in in their hearts and minds begins to break off. And you can almost see it on them. And I've seen this so many times. I've, I've probably literally seen this hundreds of times where I've watched people's faces. And it's like their mouths hang open and stuff starts falling off of them. And they leave going, oh, my gosh, I am so much freer than I was when I came in here. And what is that? What, what, what are they saying? They're saying that the grace and peace of God has now been increasing in their experience and in their encounter. Why? Because their beliefs are lining up with the knowledge of God. So I just want to let you guys know it is so, so dang important that what we believe about God is accurate, <laughs> that it's actually true, because it does relate directly to our experience of the peace and grace of God, which is why I feel like I've had so much revelation about who God is and that in the way to talk about him. And again, I'm I don't want to sound, it's, I, I hate like when I talk about stuff like this because I, I don't want to sound like it's me. Like I have the answers. I am the man with the revelation and everyone else is less than I. Like I, that is so not in my heart. Like I can't tell you how far that is from my heart. But at the same time, I, I don't know how to say there really is stuff that God has spoken to me. And I really have had these experiences and I, I really feel like there's something God wants to bring forth in a particular way. Um, that is coming forth from my heart. And I just love God's people and I love God and I want, I want them to get closer. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I even said that, right? But, but I think you guys get what I'm saying, those of you who are listening to this. So if you're, again, you'll hear a lot of lies in religion and they are couched in such beautiful language and such good tasting chocolate that people just swallow them because it sounds like holiness. It sounds like goodness. It sounds like righteousness. And in fact, it's bondage. And, and the way you know it is over time, it doesn't, almost never does it feel bad right away. But over time, these kinds of beliefs and understandings that are laced with something other than the purity of the gospel create bondage in hearts of people over time. Again, it's usually not right there apparent. It's like a slow working poison that eventually kind of takes you out. So 
anyways, um, I just think I, was, I can't tell you guys enough that like you have to understand that the grace and peace I want multiplied to everyone. And that is related directly to our understanding, our knowledge and our experience of who God is and who Jesus is. This is so, so important. So I'll end with this one line and we'll continue this next next podcast. Seeing that his divine power, listen to this, seeing that his divine power. So once once we have our knowledge of God lined up with the truth, we will actually see that his divine power, oh my gosh, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I just want to, my gosh, it's like when we actually know who Jesus is, we will see that it's not our works, that it's not our power, that it's not our behavior, but that it's his divine power has actually granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And this is like life, meaning, uh, I'll have to get into this maybe a little bit more next time, but and godliness, meaning like he, he's it's from his power that we have everything we need to both literally sit here and do nothing and be godly and to live godly, meaning that we talk, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think, whatever we feel, and in our interactions with others, it is absolute perfect love 100% of the time. He's saying he's given us the power to walk in that. Now, do all of us walk in that? No. And most of that is tied back to a misconception of who God is, which is exactly what his whole point is. So we're going to get into some of that later. Uh, we're kind of reached the top or the, the, you know, how far this podcast should go. I try and keep about 20 minutes. So we'll continue in our journey through Second Peter. We're going to get through this book, which, um, again, had a weird history, but I still believe it's the word of God. Obviously, it's canonized, and there it is. So we're going to keep going with it. And I totally believe that it is the word of God. It is Peter who wrote it and the Holy Spirit inspired and all that. But I thought I would just tell you the weird history of it. So anyway, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. We're going to continue going right down this path as things begin to blow up in your spirit and our knowledge of God increases. I will talk to you guys soon. We'll continue through Second Peter. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.